0: Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance and seven pillars of life spirituality health emotions romance mindset social and financial life when you have all seven pillars of life in alignment you are balanced beautiful and abundant let's go hello everyone welcome to another wonderful episode of the Balanced, beautiful and abundant show i am your host rebecca whitman taking you from burned out to balance beautiful and abundant We have an incredible guest. He's someone that I met during the pandemic, which was almost four years ago. So we go way back. And I stayed in touch with him through his amazing positive daily text messages. And I asked him to be on the show. And I asked him while he was biking across the country. And he's like, oh, I just got a bike across the country. I can't really focus on podcasting right now. And I totally understood. And finally, the timing was right, and I asked him again to be on the show, and here he is. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show, Michael O'Brien.
1: Well, Rebecca, so good to see you. It's yeah, I feel like you know we're pandemic friends, and now we get to really like see each other because some of those other platforms you don't really see each other, and yes, now we're recording this on Zoom and projecting out into the universe. So this is going to be absolutely fantastic.
0: Yes. I'm so excited you're here. And speaking of Zoom, I am just going to take two seconds to go live on Facebook. I totally forgot to do that because I want my Facebook listeners to see how awesome you are as well. So I am just so excited to tell my audience about your incredible inspirational background. And we're going to also hear more about your story, um, which I haven't really heard your whole story, so I'm really excited to hear it. Um, But first, let me just tell them a little bit about your background. So Michael brings an extraordinary blend of experiences from being a C-suite executive to an endurance athlete to teaching meditation. His unique perspective on tackling life's complex challenges is deeply influenced by surviving his near fatal cycling accident. Which, ref- which he refers to as his last bad day. He is also a best selling author and speaker on a mission to inspire a lasting ripple of change, which that's a movement you're starting called the Ripple Effect. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, he recently cycled 3,600 miles across America just 41 days after having knee replacement surgery. Wow. What a feat that was. And he believes we can all do hard things. He has been featured on a TEDx stage and Business Insider USA Today and Entrepreneur Publications, as well as on CNBC. So, Michael, let's go back to that last bad day. Tell us about that story and how that nearly tragic event changed your whole life's
1: trajectory. Well, I'll take everyone back to 2001. So that was before the internet as we know it, dating myself. And I was pretty, to to the spirit of your show and the work that you do, I was pretty close to being burnt out. Although we really didn't have that language back then. I was, we were married seven years at the time. We'll be married 30 years come May. Congratulations. So our girls were really young, three and a half years old, seven months old. And I had a pretty big corporate gig, you know. If if you stalked me on LinkedIn, it would be like, all right, he's doing pretty well. But I didn't necessarily know how to process stress. Mm-hmm. I didn't, so I ignored it. I fought it. I tried to have an extra glass of wine. I did all those things. I shoved a few rocks in my backpack, backpack, and carried that crap around with me, mm-hmm. and. We had an off-site meeting back in the day where we did these off-site meetings, and I brought my bike out because we had a half day for fun. My colleagues brought their golf clubs. I brought my bike, and on the morning of July 11th, 2001, I was riding this loop on the hotel property, and I came around a bend, and a Ford Explorer was coming right at me, going about 40 miles an hour, and hit me head on. And Rebecca, I remember, I still can remember the sound of me hitting his grill. I got flipped up in the air and got thrown into his windshield, which I blew a hole through his windshield. That's how hard I hit his truck. So I remember that sound. I remember the screech of his brakes. And then I made a thud when I came to the asphalt below. And of course, that knocked me unconscious. When I regained consciousness, I was surrounded by emt police and fire and state trooper and everybody in the it was absolute chaos and i was in the worst pain of my life i couldn't move i was i was clearly out of it uh, although i could try to give them like my name and phone number but i kept on saying my phone number wrong and they had to keep on coming back i had no id on me at all So my wife and daughters are back home in New Jersey thinking, I'm just going to go to another business meeting and I'll come back. Like I've done countless times before. And they called the medevac, the helicopter to bring me to Albuquerque. The only trauma one center in the state. And as I waited for the helicopter to arrive, I was in disbelief. I was like, this cannot be happening. Why is this happening? This is not part of the script. Like, I was doing everything right i was following the script the stuff that you're supposed to do and i kept on telling myself not to fall asleep because i thought if i fell asleep or lost consciousness i would lose control of the situation which um note to the editor i had no control you know I, like i was i was there on a backboard waiting for the helicopter to come but i thought if i could be awake i could direct things I could have some sense of control. And they flew me to Albuquerque. First surgery took about 13 hours. I needed 36 units of blood product to save my life and save my leg. The doctors told my wife, they're not really sure how I survived. They said, had I been 10 years older or not in shape, I would have died before I got to the hospital. Because what happened is I broke a whole bunch of everything. I had glass all through me scrapes and bruises and stuff. But when the left femur shattered, it lacerated the femoral artery. So I lost a ton of blood. And mm-hmm. the, my wife flew out with our youngest, our oldest stayed back. They sent me to the ICU and I came out of the, the ICU. And they told me about the extent of my injuries. The driver had to revoke license, probably should not have happened. And it felt like my whole world got turned upside down. My whole identity got turned upside down and I didn't know who I was going to become. And I didn't know what we were going to do because they painted a pretty grim picture for my future. They're like, you're going to have a lot of surgeries. It's going to be painful, probably not going to walk well again. You're probably never going to get back on the bike. And I just, laid there in my hospital bed thinking if I can't be who I was, even though I wasn't doing it perfectly, who the heck am I going to be? And that was completely overwhelming.
0: That is wow. So what was the comeback like? Like you go from being told you're never going to walk again or, you know, be able to get on your bike and and now you're, you know, biking across America how, what was your recovery like? How did, how did you mentally, physically, and spiritually recover from that accident?
1: Well, the short answer is slowly baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. Baby steps. Luckily I had a great group of people around me. So I recovered as a community, if you will, not just mm-hmm. by myself, you know, my wife, our girls, friends, family, family, one of my mentors shared with me when they flew me back to New Jersey. He was like, hey, Michael, all the events in your life are neutral until you label them. Yes. And I was like, huh? And I was like, is that like a Yoda thing? Like, did he say that in Star Wars? And he just said, hey, everything's neutral until you label them. It sort of goes back to the quote that's often attributed to Viktor Frankl. Between stimulus and response, there's a space, and in that space is your opportunity to grow. He he said, listen, right now, you're labeling yourself as a victim, and no one's blaming you, because look what happened to you. But maybe there is a different way to look at this, maybe this didn't happen to you, it happened for you. And maybe there's a different way to label this. And so that didn't set in right away, Rebecca, it took me some time, I had to let it marinate. And then I finally was like, Okay, so if that's true, everything's neutral until we label it, then I can go back to that accident date and say, that's my last bad day. Not because I believe in unicorns and rainbows and all that. It was more of a awareness now that we live moments. Our days are a collection of moments and we have bad moments and good moments. We have joyous moments. We have totally irritating moments a whole bunch of different moments. So I thought if I have people in my life who I love and love me back, how can I call the full day a bad one? Mm. So it was too binary. And I was like, I'm going to be done with these binary labels, good, bad, right, wrong that define our society today. So it's a collection of moments and each moment passes. It's transient uh, as life is. So In that space, I started to find a gratitude practice. And in that space, I found my breath. As an athlete, I knew how important it was to come back home to your breath, to slow the game down. So when you feel overwhelmed, what do you do? You try to slow things down. You try to take little steps forward. So that was the start of my mindfulness practice that now is known as pause, breathe, reflect. So it was like little steps. Sometimes the steps were so small, it didn't feel like I was making any progress at all, but I kept sometimes it anything.
0: probably felt like you were going backwards because recovery oh, totally. is sometimes like three steps forward, two steps back, and you probably didn't even feel like you would ever get to the other side of your accident.
1: yeah, I had one situation where i had I've had multiple surgeries, like at least uh thirteen, fourteen different surgeries. And in one surgery there was a complication and i developed an infection so i had to go back to the hospital and have an emergency surgery to clear out the infection in my knee and there was a visiting uh, rabbi that came to the hospital he knocked on the door and and the last name o'brien he probably thought well this is going to be a quick visit you know <laughs> and and just how he opened it up at just like the tears and all the emotions just pour out of me. And, and oh, I just no. asked him like, why do why do bad things happen to good people? Right? So you know, I've, he- I've had this like, aha, I've had my mindfulness practice, and I've made all this progress. And then I've just been knocked down again. Like, when does it get easy? And so the recovery has been yeah, many steps forward, several steps backwards. But I continue to rise up every morning and take some steps forward consistently with some frequency over time. And I do believe that's how we create change. Uh, Sometimes change is created by lightning bolt moments, but most change is created with small steps consistently over time. And hopefully you have the right support network and the right practices to guide you through those tough moments. And that's how we, eventually got back on the bike and started pedaling a little bit further each day to riding across the country.
0: Let's talk about thank you for sharing that very um, dramatic and life changing story. Let's talk about your beautiful movement, your app Break down. How did you come up with pause, breathe, reflect? And how can people use these three words for resilience and mindfulness?
1: Yeah, so I had a moment during a rehab session when I was in the hospital. So I was inpatient for about three, four months, mm-hmm. and I wasn't making the progress I thought I I needed to make. I just wanted to go back home. I was sick of the hospital. I was sick of the smells. I was sick of the noise. I just wanted to. go You were
0: back in to- the hospital for four months.
1: Close to four months. Oh my
0: God, that's really and tough. I just
1: wanted to- yeah, I just wanted to go back home to your, you know, the smells of, of home, you know, yeah, the way the blankets feel when you get into bed, like all that, like I miss that so much. And in the hospital, you can't get any rest because everyone's poking at you and stuff like that. And I've always been a pretty successful guy in my corporate career. And so I was like, go, 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 make it happen, make it happen. And I just had this big aha that I was like, I need to, I need to slow the game down. And so I found a quiet spot in the hospital one morning and I did my very first box breathing breathwork pattern. And I wanted to have a name for it because it felt good. And I was like, well, I'm gonna do this tomorrow. And that became part of my morning routine. And the name I found for it was PBR because I had this corporate KPI, this metric that we were all held accountable to called PBR, profit before royalty. And <laughs> we were all sick of this acronym because every meeting we would have, what's your PBR? What's your PBR? And I was like, this, this crazy acronym. So I was like, well, what am I doing in these sessions? And I was like, well, I'm pausing. Okay. I'm not fully stopping. I'm pausing. I'm coming back to my breath. So I had the P and the B. And I was like, well, the other thing I'm doing is I'm reflecting, the, the reflection part is a big part of our practice because that's the part of the practice where you can be grateful, practice mm. gratitude. It, you can also reflect on, in a way, set your intentions. How do I want to show up? What kind of ripple do I want to put in the world? Because ultimately we're all energy. Like we're, everything's yes. energy and we're just energy in a sack of flesh and bones and all that stuff like that. So how we show up, ripples out into the world. It can be a really positive ripple and it can be a not so pleasant ripple. And the whole notion of rippling brings me back to uh, being a kid skipping stones on my gram- at my grandmother's pond in New Hampshire. It's like those ripples and how the ripples dance on the pond is something, it's so beautiful and graceful. And so for me, it's about, let's put a positive ripple into the world Let's put some positive energy into the world because the world needs it. And so through mindfulness and a practice of gratitude and having like heartedness that's around you rather than like mindedness, like that place in the heart of compassion and love and kindness that can put a beautiful ripple into the world. And we can create an abundant way of looking at things. We can be bold. We can be beautiful. We can be all that. And, I think mindfulness can help us do all that and more. And that has become a cornerstone of my life. And I'm, my goal is I want the whole world, 8 billion of us each day to just take one minute to pause, take a few deep breaths in and slow breaths out, and then reflect. How do you want to show up? How do you want to show up for yourself? How do you want to show up for those around you?
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That is a great practice. If you're listening, you can take that with you. Like when you're stressed out or have indecision, confusion, any kind of angst, you can pause, breathe, reflect. Now, you mentioned box breathing. Our last guest talked about box breathing as well. And he said there's two ways to do it you can do four, four, uh, in like four second in, inhale. Hold for four seconds. Four second exhale, and then just have empty uh, diaphragm for four seconds, or you can just inhale for four seconds and exhale for four seconds. How do you do your uh, box breathing?
1: So I do, I do something that looks more like a four hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. So it does give you if you're drawing that, it looks like mm-hmm. a box. Okay. So, So the other type of breath, you can have a heart-centric breath where you're bringing your focus into your heart. And that could be a simple breathe in for four, breathe out for four. Or the perfect breath is breathe in for five to six, breathe out for five to six. Generally, as humans, we are not breathing properly. There are many of us who breathe through our mouths rather than our noses. We should be breathing through our noses if we can. That's just, it just helps our biology. That's why when we're sleeping, we tend to be mouth breathers. If you wake up with dry mouth or you're snore, you're probably breathing through your mouth. So we have to learn how to train our, we can train ourselves to breathe through our nose. We also tend to be breathing too quickly. A lot of people will take 12, 13, 14 or more Breaths per minute, the ideal number is somewhere around six. So that it's that inhale for five, breathe out for five. But there's a whole bunch of wonderful breathwork patterns and they all do something similar, but slightly different. You can use your breath to amp yourself up when you're in a state where you're low on energy. And of course we know mindfulness and meditation as a way to like bring it down when we're hijacked or in that fight flight type of mode so the breath can be this wonderful tool that we take for granted but the cool thing about the breath is it never takes us for granted it's always there we don't have to command it to do anything it's there but when we get when we develop a better relationship with it it can bring us more health and more space and in that space we can be more thoughtful so we can make better decisions.
0: Yeah, I love it. One of uh, the teachers, I don't remember which one that I that I read about said the mind controls the body, but the breath controls the mind. Yes. So, if you really want to take control of your mind, it's it's through breathing. So, I love PBR and you have another an acronym that I want to talk about called C A R E. So, how can we lead with C A R E or lead with care? Let's talk about that one.
1: Yeah. So, leading with care, you know, it's it's about compassion. It's about awareness. It's about resilience and helping other people be resilient and resilient. And it's also about empathy. Okay. Right. So, so I, the I C we,
0: is compa- I'm going to write this down. The yeah, C is, C is compassion. compassion. Yeah. So,
1: This year I'm making much like last year, I'm making a case for compassion. So compassion is all about, Hey, I see that you're in pain, that you're suffering, you're hurting and I'm showing up and I'm with you and I'm here to support you. So that's key. It's different than empathy. Sometimes empathy, which is also part of care, is I'm going to drop in with you and I can really feel what you're feeling to a different level. So the E can be empathy, it can also be energy. Mm -hmm. The A is around awareness, like really showing up and understanding. And this is what mindfulness can do. So often when the game of life gets fast, our vision narrows. So Mm -hmm. what mindfulness gives us the opportunity to do is open up our aperture, see other perspectives. See how maybe someone else is bringing a different lived experience into the situation you share. And so with that awareness, we can offer more care. And resilience is something that is part of who I am. I believe it's part of who everyone is. I think we're born resilient. If you look at a child learning how to walk, they get up, they fall down, they get back up again, they fall down. They get back up again and they continue walking. So that is resilience. We've all heard the saying, fall down seven, get back up eight. Right. And so I haven't heard
0: that, but I like it.
1: Yeah. So we, we keep on getting back up and the child, the baby learns a little bit more about, okay, this is what I did and start to learn balance and movement and all that jazz. As we get older, us adults, We don't get outside of our comfort zone that much so we don't necessarily fall down so resilience is something i believe we're all born with but it can atrophy just like any muscle if you don't use it so with the r in care it's understanding that we're all resilient and to help each other when we fall down help Mm -hmm. each other get outside of our comfort zone so we can have this growth so we can keep that resilient muscle as strong as possible because we've we've had to tap into it the last several years and i'm not great at predictions but i think we're going to have have to probably tap into it as we go forward so to really understand that we are resilient and so this combination this attitudes mindset can help us deliver more care to each other and i think actually you know i discovered this a lot rebecca as i rode across the country it's such a beautiful country it's like it's so massive which i didn't truly appreciate being on the east coast but with all its beauty we are also hurting there is i agree pain out there and all the divisiveness throwing more logs on that fire isn't going to help us heal we're not gonna be able to come together like Kintsugi art, reconnect and heal, and have those golden symbols of resilience and strength if we don't start to care for each other a little bit more. And I think we live in this wonderful time going through what we've gone through, showing that we are resilient, that we got through something really difficult. We're going through things right now that are difficult, where we live in in an inflection point. So we got to find a way to come back and start caring for each other so we can heal. And once we heal, then I think we can do other big things that we get to do, not only for our generation, but all the generations that come after we happen to leave this big blue marble that we share today.
0: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I mean, this, I feel like we are in a turning point in history and it's kind of like Star Wars, you know, like evil versus good, light versus dark, fear versus love. And I believe love will prevail. And that's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, just spreading that light and spreading that message. I really believe that love will prevail. So thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about the woo to wow. How can mindfulness take you from woo-woo to wow-wow? I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs, but this is also a little bit of a woo-woo spin on entrepreneurship. So I'm curious to hear how we can go from woo to wow.
1: Yeah. So I'm on a mission to bring more people into mindfulness. Okay. And more people into a gratitude practice. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, I think we're hardwired a little bit differently than people in corporate life maybe a little bit more adventurous, a different type of risk tolerance. And we might be well a little bit more open to exploring some other practices that we might not get exposed to in corporate life. And maybe a little bit more com- comfortable with the spiritual side of mindfulness, which is like the woo-woo stuff that a lot of people who say they, they don't want to do a meditation practice, they're like, ah, it's a little too woo-woo. It's a little too soft. Isn't that a soft practice? I'm going to lose my edge. And some entrepreneurs say this too. If I start practicing mindfulness, I'm going to get all chill. I'm going to zen out. I'm going to lose my drive, all that stuff. And I got to be edgy. I got to be super strong. I'd be going. I got to be hustling and grinding and all that stuff, all that masculine energy. And I am here to say that one, mindfulness isn't soft. It is hard. The practice isn't easy and it doesn't dull your edge. It actually sharpens it. Mindfulness gives us more awareness, which is key. Whatever you happen to be doing right in your business life in your corporate life or just being able to go outside and experiencing awe. Like when we experience awe, we're usually doing it with other people. And so that's wow. Like if we ever been to a concert, like musical, like uh, collective effervescence, they call it. So if you've been to a concert, which I know, concerts was a thing that I desperately missed during the pandemic. So, but yeah. I love going to a show, and everyone knows every word to every song, and that you're just in this sync. Ah, oh, that is like a great. That's a great moment, and so this awareness opens up. Mindfulness also helps us sharpen our focus so we can get really busy on the things that truly matter, which you ask anyone in corporate life or entrepreneurial life, what trips you up? It's all the distractions. It's all the procrastination. It's all the things that are like we go down these rabbit holes. Mindfulness helps us focus in on the things that will really move the needle forward and it will help us meet our moment in that sweet spot that sweet spot between being hyper aroused and like low arousal, like almost like a surfer surfing a wave. Like she's riding the wave. She's got that perfect harmony. She's not leaning too far into the board. She's not leaning too far back. She's making all these micro adjustments with her balance, but she's there. And when, can, when we meet our moments there, ah, then we can do some really brilliant things. So I'm trying to rebrand mindfulness from this woo-woo stuff, Mm -hmm. which for a lot of people, that part of mindfulness really speaks to them. And I think that's fantastic. But I'm trying to reach a different type of person who has been on the sidelines, who has judged mindfulness as being too woo-woo and bring them in to a practice that could fundamentally change their lives. And what I try to do is remove every barrier possible to help them do that. So if they have a negative label, let's remove that label. If they don't have time, let's make it so you can do a one or two minute practice. And so then you can start learning how to meditate in bite-sized pieces. So that's what I mean by like woo-woo to wow. Like let's lose that label Let's yeah. really look at mindfulness as what what it can be and how it can benefit you and it, you can have a really great wow experience with the practice that opens you up to so many other amazing facets of life which i which i just love as someone who almost died and now is trying to live fully so yeah that's what it means
0: thank you for sharing that so let's say somebody says i'm too busy i don't have any time for meditation can they really benefit by doing it in one or two minute increments?
1: Absolutely. So here's- How is that? So here's one thing that isn't necessarily well studied yet, it's Mm -hmm. becoming better studied. So there was never really a lot of research because there's a lot of great research on the benefits, the health benefits of mindfulness, like rigorous uh, clinical studies. But no one really measured, well, how long should you be doing this for? Um, And how often? And more and more research is coming out to say, well, like shorter practices matter. So often we've set up this bar, like you have to practice for 20 minutes in the morning or even 10 minutes in the morning. And a lot of people don't have 10 minutes in the morning. Their morning ritual or routine is already packed. And let's be honest. You gotta get the kids off to school. You gotta get to work. There's other things to do. You might not have time for that, so you put it on the back burner. My feeling is this. If you don't have 10 minutes in the morning, I'm gonna meet you where you're at. I bet you have five times throughout the day where you have two minutes. And so take 10 minutes and sprinkle them through the day. Those two minutes can matter. We can start to you know, lower our heart rate Ease our blood pressure, create some space in one minute, in two minutes. You know, we do it all the time. And so what I want to bring people into this notion is like, listen, plenty of people have a 10-minute practice in the morning, but they don't bring that practice with them throughout the day. So it becomes too transactional. I want the practice to be, as cliche as it sounds, trans- transformative. It's a way of living. So I would rather see you take five times times two minutes, than do nothing at all. Because what happens if we don't do it for a bit, then we have a harder time developing a good habit. And then we get stressed. Then we have a big crash and we're like, oh, I gotta get back to it. So I'd rather just, again, consistently make small steps over time. And then we develop a really healthy habit.
0: This, if you're listening, is revolutionary because many times I did not meditate in the morning because I thought if I don't have at least five or 10 minutes, I'm wasting my time knowing that you can get the benefits of mindfulness in two-minute increments. It's life-changing. Look, balloons are even going balloons, off. We got, Zoom? we got balloons on Zoom. It's, it's balloon-worthy because this can change your life. So I know you're also a meditation teacher. If somebody just had two minutes to meditate, what technique would you suggest they start with, especially if they're a beginner? I know there's different advanced techniques of meditation, but if a beginner has two minutes and they just want to start, what would you tell them to do?
1: So they could do a simple box breathing pattern, which we've already referenced. Mm -hmm. But I would say, let's just begin by getting into a comfortable position whatever that looks like for someone. They could be lying down. They could be standing, Uh seated. They don't have to get into that cross-legged lotus posture that we see on Instagram all the time as far as Uh people meditating. So just get comfortable. And you're just directing your attention to your breath. So you're following the in-breath from where you feel it first as you breathe in all the way to its end you recognize the pause, and then you follow your exhale out from the beginning and just appreciate that release of tension as you breathe out. And you're breathing in for about a count of four or five or six, you're breathing out for the same length. And so you're taking about 10 12 breaths over those two minutes, and that can be a perfect way of starting we can practice mindfulness in so many different ways like mindful eating going for a mindful walk doing a body scan doing what a- is
0: mindful eating counting how many times you're chewing your food or well, just appreciating well,
1: the food <laughs> it's more i would say for me it's more about a gratitude and appreciation for the food mm-hmm. i do know plenty of people that will count how many times they've chewed and they have a certain number they're trying to reach. (laughs) And that could be very mindful to them. Yeah. And that's the thing Look, with mindfulness, it can, you can sort of choose your own adventure. So for me though, mindful eating is really appreciating starting with gratitude, all the people that help bring this food to your table or in front of you, because so many people did. Yeah, There's a great book by A.J. Jacobs called Thanks a Thousand, Mm. where he went and thanked the thousand people that had some say, some involvement in his morning latte, a really cool read. Wow. Yeah. So it's a really very interesting read, a New York writer. So I love the book. So one, mindful eating can be about gratitude, but it also can be bringing all your senses into your meal. So noticing the texture noticing the colors, uh, the sound of the food, if it's crunchy or soft, noticing the aromas and the taste, like really fully experiencing it because a lot of us will go out and we'll buy organic and we'll do all this stuff and we'll go get a juice that costs 12 bucks and then we'll guzzle it down as we're driving to our next (laughs) appointment. And we never really taste it. We never really appreciate it fully. And Hey, I am I'm guilty as charged with everyone else. Like I've had my share of burritos while I'm driving or this that or the other thing. That is part of our America American culture, right? <laughs> but it's not the best way to nourish yourself. It's not the best thing for your digestive system. So what I recommend doing is just take some time just to be with your food, don't listen to anything, don't watch anything, don't guzzle the news, don't try to binge podcasts except yours, of course. Except mine. Mine is Next very I'm, digestion yeah. friendly. You can listen it, to it and eat. It, it is like the gut. It's the gut biome's favorite po- podcast. It's That's healthy right. All around. And That's so, right. so you just you be with your food, and you really get to experience all the different flavors of it, and. I think it's a healthier way of eating and it doesn't have to be every meal, but you can sprinkle it, sprinkle a few mindful meals throughout the week and practice mindfulness that way.
0: You know what I catching my, I'm catching myself because I'm working from home and I'm starting to gain momentum and getting a lot of back-to-back Zooms like everybody else. I'm catching myself eating, standing up like in the kitchen. And I'm like, that is not, mindfulness like at least make it to the table before you put something in your mouth but i'm just like on such an adrenaline thing i'm going so fast and i'm like if if i could just like eat sitting down that would be an improvement for me
1: yeah slow it down or just take Guy, it takes us like what half an hour to fix a meal sometimes 20 minutes Mm -hmm. whatever it may be yeah and we tend to consume it And less time it takes to make it. And so here we've put in all this effort to create whatever we're gonna put on our plate or on our table or feed the family. So why don't we try to take just a little bit longer to enjoy how we're nourishing ourselves? When we think about it, what we put in our bodies could be the most trustworthy thing we do multiple times a day. Like we're, we're actually putting something from outside into our bodies. So why not really appreciate that really like soak that in. And so, yeah, mindfulness, we can do it a lot of different ways. And those short practices can really help counterbalance the stress, the burden, the what have you that we all experience as entrepreneurs, as corporate leaders, as community leaders. So we can stay in the zone of success, as I like to say. So we can stay at that sweet spot more consistently throughout our day. And that's going to help us make better decisions.
0: So you also talk about mindful sleeping. What does that mean? Like no cell phones in bed or what does mindful sleeping look like for you, Michael?
1: Well, so I end the day every day with a gratitude practice. So as Mm -hmm. I'm getting ready for bed, I'm brushing my snags, which we call our teeth in our family. (laughs) So I do a little gratitude practice. I don't journal about it, but many people I know love to journal about it. But I'm just going through my day thinking about what I'm grateful for. And I try to shut off my devices so the phone sleeps somewhere else. I try to shut off all the screens and all that jazz like that, try to prepare our sleeping space. So it's nice and cool. And all the things that we've read about for the best sleep hygiene, I wear an eye mask to block out any light. You know, we have a white noise machine to block out any sound. And I really try to have a bedtime routine. So for anyone listening out there who has kids, we all had a bedtime routine with our kids. And why did we do that? Well, it was some type of routine. To get our kids to start calming it down so they would fall asleep and so we could do the other part of our day when they would fall asleep and as adults we forgot about the benefit of having some type of bedtime routine nowadays our bedtime routine is like eat something right before bed um maybe (laughs) have uh, too much wine which disrupts our sleep alcohol does that And we just try to work and work and work and work and work until we're too tired. And then we figure, well, we're just going to pour ourselves into bed and we're going to crash. But that's not really high quality sleep. And often if we approach it that way, as soon as our head hits the pillow, all the stuff from the day comes flooding back into our brains. And then we can't fall asleep because our brains are too active because we haven't done enough to like slow it down Mm -hmm. down. Follow the best practices that we had when we were raising our kids or raising our kids right now. We give them a bedtime routine. It's probably smart for us to have one too. It doesn't mean we have to take a bath every night, although that could be a really good thing. But a little reading, a little quiet time, and then we drift off to sleep so we can have a higher quality of sleep. So the next day we feel rested and ready to put a good ripple into the world.
0: So how, how long before you go to bed, do you shut down your cell phone and stop looking at it?
1: Probably half an hour to 40 minutes. Okay. That's,
0: that's totally doable. If you're listening, that's, that's not anything too crazy.
1: Not too crazy. I, and you know, and if there's some nights that there's something that's really great on that we're watching, or maybe there's a ball game on, And I want to watch to the end. And once the game is over, I'm going to fall asleep. I have nights like that. I'm not perfect. Right. The thing, the thing is with all the practices, just us as humans, we're perfectly imperfect. So all the practices that I do, I'm perfectly imperfect at all of them. Like sometimes like, yeah, I have my phone with me up as I'm brushing my teeth, as I'm trying (laughs) to do gratitude practice. Uh, Sometimes I'll eat standing up and I'll not will a nosh mindlessly on a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. Uh, there I have I have my moments too. But if we yes. can get to some level of like 90% well, 90% is better than zero. And that's what happens is that we go from these good day, bad day, yo yo effect. And my feeling is like, let's take little shots, little steps to stay in it. And If we can get to 90%, that's still a really good day. That's a great day. Yeah, and then we can build into uh, tomorrow and we can carry the momentum forward. So yeah, so it's about a half an hour. Try to turn off the TV, good half an hour beforehand. And I just try to slow my mind down. There are some wonderful meditations for sleep on the app. So sometimes I'll listen to that. But a lot of times I'll just... Do a nice four seven eight breathing pattern as a way to slow things down, and that usually helps me drift off to sleep. So, four seven
0: eight means inhale four,
1: hold, hold for seven, seven, and then breathe out for eight.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, last question before we wrap up so, how can we thrive through change?
1: Ah, so I think it's looking at change as something that is part of life. So often we fight change. We resist the change. We want things to go much like how I was on the day of my accident. This wasn't supposed to happen. This was not part of the script. So my attitude with this is let's just put into the mix that change will happen. We might not like all the changes, but we accept that change will occur. And then we start building skills around the fact that change will happen. And now we have a game plan, as opposed to, I don't want things to change, it's gonna go this way, and as long as my plan works, and then when it doesn't, when the unexpected comes and pays us a visit, now we get all worked up because it wasn't supposed to happen this way. So I go forward in life, and this is what I coach on, is less expect the unexpected to happen.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So you have maybe a little bit more slack in your day. There's a little bit more agility and grace as you approach life. And so when change happens, you can create a little bit of space between the stimulus, the change, and how you wish to respond to it. And that change, that space, that gives you an opportunity of neutrality. So you can pick a better label and with a better label, you can take different action. But it starts with acceptance, accepting the fact that things will change. We all change, every moment changes into a new moment. So when change happens, it's like, okay, yeah, that's part of the script. And now I have tools in my toolbox, if you will, that will allow me to meet the change in a way that allows me to show up in the way that I want to. So I can bring forward the change I seek in the world or my language, put a good ripple into it. So that's, that's the beginning part of change, Accept that it's going to happen and then develop a game plan around that.
0: I love that because what we resist persists. Yes. And if you are resisting change, you're just causing resistance in your mind and your body and your, On a cellular level, you can you know get disease and it's like if we can just learn how to be in a flow state kind of the what you talked about you know, like that surfer. In a flow state and just and just be flexible just be like water, you know water is so flexible and it's so powerful like we're so powerful when we're when we're in a flow state and we are we're flexible, so we can you know end on that wonderful note to. To be in a flow state and just to embrace change because it's the only constant variable in life is change.
1: Absolutely, the Japanese have a term called mono no aware, uh, and it means basically like life is impermanent. So yes, they point to the cherry blossoms that bloom in the springtime. I used to live in D.C., so we love the cherry blossoms, and they point to the cherry blossoms in this way, that they're beautiful because their blossoms don't last forever. Mm. If they were pink all year round, we would probably take them for granted or the fall foliage up in New England. yeah, It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's awe-inspiring because it doesn't last forever. The leaves fall and then they turn green and then they turn colorful. And so when we look at our lives through that lens, that Each moment too shall pass. If you're having a tough moment, that moment too shall pass. If you're having an awesome moment, that moment too shall pass. So we can be present in all of our moments and we don't have to push against the bad ones or cling desperately to hold on to the good ones. We can be fully awake in all of our moments. And when we do that, life is just much, much fuller. We have more connection and I think we have success beyond some of the typical ways we define success today.
0: That is so beautiful. Well, your kids are very lucky to have you as a father. You're full of so much wisdom. And uh, the next time we talk, I'll have to ask you the secrets to your long-term marriage. How many years have you been married now? 30
1: years come May and we met in a personal ad before there was such a thing as apps. So, a pretty cool serendipity type of story, but yeah, um, we've done, we've done all right. So she's, she's an amazing woman and I'm, I'm ever so blessed that she's part of my life. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And we hope to have another 30 years. You never know.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope you do too. So how can people stay in touch with you, Michael O'Brien?
1: So the best way is probably through pause, breathe, com. That's where my Instagram is as well Uh, for all the corporate people or entrepreneurs, you can find me on LinkedIn and you can find the app in the app store and in Google, Google play. And for the first year, you get to pay what you can. So again, as I mentioned earlier, I try to limit, eliminate any barrier. So if money is tight, which it is for some people, you can pay what you can and begin to start a mindfulness practice so you can change how you look at life.
0: So what's on the app? What What do people get if they get
1: your app? Oh, they get so much. They get over 600 meditations and counting. We'll have a thousand before we get to the end of the year. Wow. One minute, two minute, three minute. There's a daily five minute practice and some longer practices. I do a live practice for people that wanna to practice together three times a week. There's some breathwork patterns. There are are meditation greeting cards. There are other little tips around how to live mindfully. So the app is is a very special project. And what they get is as soon as they open the app, they get a bit of tranquility. Because as soon as you open the app, you're invited to take a breath in and a slow (laughs) breath out. And already you're like a little bit calmer. So that's pretty cool
0: all right everyone we'll download that app i know i am you have been listening to another wonderful episode of the balance beautiful and abundant show keep rating reviewing and subscribing we reach the top half percentage in self-help globally because you guys are sharing this message with your friends that you don't have to live life depleted exhausted overwhelmed and burned out you can be Balance, beautiful, and abundant. And until we meet you again next week with another amazing guest, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Bye, everyone. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for being a devoted listener to the Balance, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I so appreciate your subscription, your reviews, sharing this podcast with your friends. And if you feel called to work with me on a personal level, I want to invite you to my Elegant Warrior Training. It is starting in mid-January. I will personally help you get all seven areas of your life to a level 10. That includes your spirituality, your emotions, your romantic life, your financial life, get your mindset on track, make sure you have a great community. And this is a seven-week group coaching class. If you want to learn more about it or just meet me, I would love for you to schedule a complimentary breakthrough call. My schedule is very full this year, but I have opened three spots this week to talk to you and just see where you need a breakthrough, where are you feeling stuck in your life? Maybe you need to lose a few pounds, maybe you're tired of being single, or maybe you're ready to double and triple your finances. So wherever you feel stuck, I'm committed to helping you have a breakthrough on this coaching call. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes in the link tree to schedule that breakthrough call. And if you're interested in learning more about About Elegant Warrior Training. I am happy to talk to you about it live or you can always reach out through my email. Talk to you soon. Keep rocking your goals and keeping your vibe high and I'll see you next week with another incredible guest.